Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Monday, the 30th of October in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Hewitt podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today. Gunfire in Gaza. Israeli tanks and troops enter the Palestinian territory as geopolitical tensions rise. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu faces calls to step down over the 7th of October security failures. Plus, negotiations go down under. Australia once again walks away from trade talks with the EU. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Israel sent troops and tanks into northern Gaza beginning this weekend in what Benjamin Netanyahu called the second stage of the war against Hamas. Meanwhile, a hospital in Gaza where thousands are sheltering is facing an evacuation order because of Israeli raids nearby. Jason Lee, country director at Save the Children Palestine, says that most people in Gaza have little choice about where they can go. There are still thousands of families, particularly with children with, with disabilities, that cannot access the shelters. There is nowhere that is safe in Gaza right now. Jason Lee's comments come as the territory's health ministry, which is controlled by Hamas, says that more than 8,000 people have been killed there. Bloomberg understands that Israel's military campaign inside Gaza is expected to last anywhere from six weeks to six months. The military escalation comes as Israel's Prime Minister faces growing pressure from within the government to stand down. Benjamin Netanyahu caused controversy with a social media post over the weekend where he pointed the finger at intelligence chiefs for the country's biggest security lapse in decades. He later deleted the post and apologised. The criticism came as Netanyahu addressed the nation, saying that he's determined to avenge the October 7th attack that killed 1,400 people. His words are spoken by a translator. Our hero troops, they have one supreme main goal, to completely defeat the murderous enemy and to guarantee our existence in this country. We've always said, never again, never again is now. Those comments over the weekend came as Netanyahu spoke by phone with President Biden to discuss developments in Gaza. Meanwhile, in the US, House Republicans will vote this week on a package to provide aid to Israel in a standalone bill worth $14.5 billion. Plans to pass an Israel aid bill come as the US said that it sees elevated risk of regional spillover from the war between Israel and Hamas. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan warned this weekend that America will keep responding to any attacks on its troops by Iranian proxies. That, as Iran's foreign minister warned of a wider war with America if the country maintains its unequivocal support for Israel. Here is what Hussein Amir Abdullahian told Bloomberg's Manus Cranny in New York on Friday. 
The United States continues what it has been doing so far. Then new fronts will be opened up against the United States. Speaking via a translator, Iran's foreign minister declined to detail the consequences that the country might have in store. He also denied that Iran had instructed groups in Syria and Iraq to target U.S. forces in recent days, saying that the groups are acting independently and haven't received direction from Tehran. To other news, HSBC has announced a $3 billion share buyback in its latest results. The bank reported pre-tax profits of $7.71 billion for the third quarter. That's less than the estimated $8.1 billion. Revenues from personal banking were boosted by higher interest rates, while trading revenues were weaker. HSBC also continues to be hit by China's real estate crisis, reporting a charge of half a billion dollars for losses on commercial real estate in the country. Australia has walked away from trade talks with the EU for the second time in three months. The two sides have been working on a free trade agreement for more than five years. Bloomberg's Australia correspondent Paul Allen says that while there is broad consensus across most areas, the issue of agriculture now threatens to derail the entire deal. As for what happens next, uh, could be months, could be years uh, before this gets done again. The Agriculture Minister Murray Wyatt saying that it might be until after the next federal election in Australia that this gets addressed and, and that will be after 2025. But Paul Allen says that both sides are still motivated to reach an agreement. For Australia, the centre-left Labour government needs a win after facing criticism by opposition figures for not focusing enough on the economy. Meanwhile, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen needs a victory on trade after a missed attempt with the US to remove steel and aluminium tariffs. And here in the UK, house prices are declining in the overwhelming majority of the country, according to the latest data from the property portal Zoopla. The site says that 80% of local areas saw year-on-year price declines in September. That's up from about 5% just six months ago. The figures come as households face a barrage of pressures, including higher borrowing rates and a cost-of-living squeeze. Zoopla says it expects home sales to drop by almost a quarter this year before staying flat in 2024. Those are our top stories. These are the markets right now. US stocks 50 futures are declining, but barely down a tenth of 1%. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index is down four tenths of 1%, and 10 year Treasury yields are higher, three and a half basis points at 4.87%. So looking, of course, uh, following the latest developments this morning out of the Middle East as well, um, I've been looking at one of the, the pieces being written by our Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mark Champion and this. Mark, of course, a very uh, interesting voice to watch, of course, a, a very experienced reporter in international affairs as well. And to see that he, uh, his writing this morning, looking at the potential path to change that comes from this conflict as well, mm-hmm. saying that Israeli and Palestinians must acknowledge each other's pain. This At a time when we're looking at the expansion of, of the ground offensive in Gaza, this is perhaps a, a longer look at how things may change after the events of the past month in that region mm. and that the gulf between where Israelis and Palestinians are uh, seems so wide but yeah I suppose Mark Champion is writing to the potential that this does open up for what, you know where rec- reconciliation could come further down the line. Yeah although this question about what the plan is for Gaza post-war is is really an unanswered question um, that a lot of people are being asked about. At the moment the focus for Israel is on uh, the incursion on the offensive in Gaza. What exactly is the aim uh, in terms of the immediate few days? Certainly the uh, 
um, the, the ground forces seem to be less than perhaps many had anticipated in the direct aftermath of the 7th of October. And yet equally, in terms of Palestinians uh, and what is happening in, on the humanitarian front, um, equally disastrous, you know, the concerns around uh, what it means, uh, the, the, the cutoff in terms of communications over the weekend, the, the blackout in terms of uh, telephone and, and internet connectivity, uh, the lack of basic goods, uh, the, the, the lack of uh, the trucks going into Gaza, also a real, real concern. Well, let's get more now from Bloomberg's Honor Ant, who's following the story for us this morning. Um, Honor, we are looking at now a second day since that ground invasion was expanded uh, from into Gaza. What's the latest that we're hearing this morning about the the what what what's happening with that military offensive? The the military offensive is gradually widening inside Gaza Strip. Um, Israeli tanks and armored vehicles are located in the north uh, of, of Gaza Strip. And unlike previous clashes with Hamas, a few years back, we see that the Israeli military has been focusing its ground activities uh, in open areas outside of urban centers. Now, it might change going forward, but uh, so far the activity seems to uh, have focused on areas outside of urban centers where IDF, Israel Defense Forces, has said it's been striking uh, tunnels, warehouses, depots, ammunition depots used by Hamas, and it also said it killed a uh, dozen of Hamas militants in operations overnight. What is happening to Palestinian civilians? Calls for more aid. I mean, the US um, said this over the weekend. One of the um, key uh, US leaders talking about Hamas, you know, that there has to be a distinguishing between Hamas, which are uh, legitimate military targets, and civilians. What is happening with Palestinian civilians now? Well, uh, much of the Israeli uh, military operations over the past week or so uh, has been uh, airstrikes. In fact, they began shortly after the October 7 uh, Hamas attack in Israel. So uh, it's hard to say uh, how much surgical an operation can get if it relies uh, largely on air operations, of course. But um, one of the key demands by the Israeli authorities has been uh, that that Gazan, uh, people in Gaza who live in the northern turtle of the Gaza Strip, should evacuate to the south. Now, we know that, at least according to the UN, over a million people have been internally displaced already. So we are talking about um, Palestinians whose number is well over one million living in a very densely populated area uh, in the southern tip of Gaza Strip where humanitarian conditions are bad and they are getting worse every day. Uh, yesterday, on Sunday, uh, UNRWA, that's the UN agency in charge of uh, uh, humanitarian efforts in, uh, in the Gaza Strip, has said that it's warehouses where wheat, flour, and some other basic cooking items, such as oil, uh, were being stored, uh, were actually ransacked by Palestinian uh, who didn't have anything to eat, and they they, they ransacked uh, those depots, which the uh, UN agency said was uh, not in so many words, but they basically said that it was an understandable outcome of the worsening humanitarian conditions. In terms of what is being done to mitigate that, as you said, both the US and other countries uh, uh, have been calling for more 
humanitarian aid into Gaza. It hasn't been uh, exactly executed so far. Uh, we believe a little over that 115 trucks have entered Gaza since uh, the war began, uh, uh, well, and since the, uh, since the blockade uh, began. Uh, they entered through the Rafah border crossing with Egypt. Uh, if you look at the average number of uh, trucks going in per day, uh, international uh, organizations and humanitarian agencies uh, reckon it's somewhere around 2% of uh, Gaza's daily needs. So a lot definitely needs to be done uh, to address the... The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Worsening humanitarian conditions uh, in Gaza where Palestinians have little food left, according to our report. Uh, Honor, thank you very much for joining us with the latest uh, on that this morning. That's our Turkey Bureau Chief there, Honor Ant reporting. Now, after spending years building up soft power, Qatar's clout has been put to the test in the Israel-Hamas war. The small Gulf nation, uh, with its $475 billion sovereign wealth fund, home to the Doha-based broadcaster Al Jazeera, has become quite pivotal. Joining us now to discuss is Sylvia Westall on Bloomberg's Big Take, examining what has happened after the 7th of October attack. Sylvia, thank you for being with us. how did Qatar, which has relations with Hamas, the Taliban in Afghanistan, and also the US and Israel, become a go-between? It's become quite pivotal also when it comes to the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. That's right. I mean, Qatar spent more than a decade trying to position itself as a Middle East go-between. Um, that's meant it's come under criticism from its neighbours for housing Hamas leaders while also having these channels to Israel, although it doesn't recognise it formally. Um, so it's been able to sort of talk to both um, the Israeli side and to uh, Hamas to try and um, help free some of the hostages that were taken in the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel. There are you know, more than 200 hostages believed to be held in Gaza, and so far only four have been released, um, and Qatar's been involved in those negotiations. Sylvia, so we're, we're seeing, I suppose, evidence of, of the role that's being played regionally in this conflict as well. But 
what happens from here? Qatar has also been accused of cozying up to Iran. How, how could this role evolve in the coming weeks? That's right. I mean, it's it's a tricky position because obviously it has all these ties and then it's asked by um, countries to sort of influence these groups um, and then it would say that it doesn't have the ability to do that. So it's a really, um, it's a position that really has, um, it's come under criticism um, in the region for doing this. Um, and, uh, you know, we spoke to Dennis Ross, who served as the White House Middle East envoy under, under Bill Clinton. Um, and he said, you know, Qatar can't have it both ways. They say, they can't say that they're a bridge and then show no signs they can actually influence Hamas. Um, and the onus now is on Qatar to get more hostages out and Qatar needs to deliver. Obviously, that's become more complicated because Israel has begun its uh, ground uh, invasion of the Gaza Strip at the weekend, uh, which complicates those efforts. So it's just a tricky position for Qatar to be in. It's trying to position itself as this indispensable country that talks to everybody and that helps get things done. But at the same time, that position itself has come under question. Yeah, indeed. And and the issue around hostages and what, what Qatar may be able to do um, is, is obviously a, a very significant one. There is pressure on Benjamin Netanyahu, who actually met with the, with the families of a lot of the hostages over the weekend, as well as making that national address um, on Saturday about the sort of second phase of the war. Um, there's also going, to, you know, this is a hugely pivotal issue, what happens to hostages that Hamas has. That's right. Uh, I mean, we've seen that the you know by sending troops and tanks into northern the northern Gaza Strip this weekend, um, Israel started the second and longer phase of its war against Hamas. Um, that that obviously gives a sense that. Um, the, the focus has shifted away from those hostage negotiations um, and uh, the sense that when we spoke to people who were involved in those uh, discussions and who are familiar with the, the strategy, um, the concern was that Hamas was sort of dragging out the release of people in a very slow manner um, and that it was playing for time. So on the one hand, um, you have Israel deciding to go in with this um, ground strategy. On the other hand as well, you, um, you did have a period in which concerns over the hostages and especially from foreign countries saying that they needed more time to try and negotiate for them to be released that slowed down what initially was thought to be um, a very quick and much larger ground invasion by Israel so I think that's something else that has held things off and it's perhaps a more cautious approach at least approach at least on the ground um, although the bombardment of Gaza continues This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at 
QatarEconomicForum.com.